Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. A Mercedes 1-2 for the first time since Imola in 2020. George Russell excelling, followed home by Lewis Hamilton. Two excellent restarts, a great first start as well, all timed perfectly. Keeping Perez and Hamilton behind him, uh, an amazing drive from George Russell today. And driver of the day, Lewis Hamilton coming home in second. He called it an amazing result for the team. Who'd have thunked it, eh? A Mercedes 1-2. Carlos Sainz was third, but behind him, his teammate Charles Leclerc was on the radio asking for a swap of positions he came home in fourth Fernando Alonso we'll talk about how he came home fifth because that one kind of escaped me a little bit Uh, but a great drive as he gets ready to leave his team and then Max Verstappen followed home by Sergio Perez and a big storyline afterwards as well with Max defying a direct request from the team and Christian Horner publicly apologising to Perez over the radio. We'll find out what's happened and since. Uh, another brilliant Ocon results in 8th, followed home by Bottas and Stroll in 10th. That's the Brazilian Grand Prix finishing order. And it was full of incidents. It was both... Because sometimes a race can be either action-packed or a bit of a chess game. I thought today was 
action-packed, but also I was trying to follow the the pit stop chess game as well. It, I had a little bit of everything for somebody. I, I hope you would agree if you watched it today. Uh, and we're going to analyse it on the Autosport podcast. I'm joined by Autosport.com editor Hayden Cobb, uh, F1 reporter Luke Smith, and our Grand Prix editor Alex Kalanorkis. Chaps, welcome to the podcast. First of all, we're going to go do around the grounds and talk about the incidents and, uh, uh, and get your thoughts on it. So Hayden, we'll start with you. On lap one, Daniel Ricciardo, Kevin Magnussen, both retiring from the race. Since then, uh, Ricardo will finish this stage of his Formula One career, hopefully not forever, with a three-place grid drop in Abu Dhabi. Who was at fault for that one, Hayden? I mean, yeah, you have to plant it firmly on Daniel Ricciardo, don't you? Quite an ambitious lunge. I mean, common of an opening lap, but went an area that, that has actually seen quite a few crashes like that in, in recent history in Formula One at that circuit. So, yeah, I mean... Matt Magnussen was, was not a fault at all, got spun round, then clattered for good measure by Ricardo. The penalty for, for Abu Dhabi is pretty much justified. All right, 1-0, Luke Smith. 2-0 completely. Like, it was just <laughs> okay. uh, just uh, such a, a clumsy thing, and it's like, oh, no, not again. And uh, yeah, very, very silly on the opening lap. I just, yeah, didn't, didn't really fully understand it, but yeah, all on Daniel's uh, front. Alex, will you make it a hat trick? Is it 3-0? Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, really, really poor again from Ricardo. And it was, um, it reminded me very much of his incident with Sonoda in Mexico. It was almost seemed easier not to have an accident. Unfortunate that they both got taken out of the race. But yeah, definitely all in Ricardo that one. Which caused a safety car on the restart. Lap 7, Verstappen and Hamilton. There's something about when they share the same bit of tarmac that made me more nervous than when Verstappen and Russell were battling in the sprint yesterday. And you just watch it, kind of holding your breath a little bit. And of course, they came together. Verstappen penalised, interestingly, uh, with a five-second time penalty, which he served at his stop. It was a bit longer, actually, because of the uh, right rear coming off slow. So it was a long old stop for him. Verstappen versus Hamilton, turn two. Big contact. Who was at fault? Much, much, much more marginal than the um, the, than the Ricardo one, obviously. And the stewards, they ruled that it was Verstappen to blame, gave him a five-second time penalty. And... Personally, though, I think that, yeah, it was more more of a, a racing incident. I think both of them could have done more to avoid that accident. I think that Hamilton didn't give Verstappen a lot of room, but also Verstappen was going for a lunge that maybe wasn't really on. During the race, I actually pulled up uh, an article we did back in, uh, I think, March, April time, looking at the guidelines that drivers were given about racing moves this year and basically how much of a car alongside do you need in order to sort of have a right to a corner obviously that's not binding for the stewards but it was kind of going to be guidelines that they would judge these kind of incidents by and I think that Max that yeah he did I think have a significant portion of that Red Bull alongside Hamilton's Mercedes but the other element it says is that you've got to keep within track limits I don't think Max would have quite done that so yeah I think it was more 50-50 than the stewards maybe looked at I think that as one of those that if they were going to go for one way, maybe towards Verstappen in terms of being to blame. But uh, yeah, I would say more of a 50-50 instant that both could have done more to avoid. Yeah, it's not like Max even avoided the apex. He was, you know, properly over the white line. Uh, let's go to Alex next. Whose fault was this one? I think both at fault in a way. So I think it sort of cancels each other out and, and, and should have been viewed as a racing incident. So therefore um, no penalty. But- then no penalty applied to either I th- one. I th- I think that would have been fairer considering the Lewis Hamilton not backing down possibly cost him a race win. And I think Max Verstappen also not backing down. I mean, Max summarised it himself. That's basically what he said. He was like, he knew Lewis wasn't going to give him any space. And he said he wasn't prepared to back down. So I think the the damage that they both caused to each other's races was penalty enough. 
That said, I can understand why he got a penalty because, as Lucas said, you know the, those uh, those racing guidelines issued for this year, the way they are, with you know Lewis's wheels were ahead at the at the apex, and also yeah. in their decision, the steward said, "Yeah, Max attacked on the outside of turn one, but he hadn't got the move completed." So I think it's just I I can understand why they've given it, but it does seem harsh to me. Yeah, again, it's a clean sweep of the boards. I I would say uh, racing incident, move on, but. Uh, like 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 the both the other guys said, I can I can see why the stewards went with the penalty. I guess the other thing is not that they would ever take this into consideration, but context is just always you knew these two were going to do this. It's probably in, certainly in my memory this season the first time they've proper gone toe to toe in a sort of even fight, let's say, without too much sort of tire offset between the two. And you sort of felt with all the history between them, <laughs> it was going to happen. <laughs> Neither of them, yeah, was going to back out. Therefore. There's only one outcome when that happens. And yeah, they both penalised or sorry, damaged their races uh, with damage to their cars, etc. So yeah, maybe just calling it a racing incident and just going, look, if you're going to run into each other, they're, they're the consequences that you get. You've penalised yourself, really. So it, it certainly will be one that uh, won't be forgotten, though. <laughs> I think just on, on Verstappen, I think, it, you know... The, the the penalty I think from a steward is harsh, but he may reflect on that and think, ah, oh, I just was a little bit too, you know, too keen to get on with it or whatever. I think he had all race to make that move. He says, you know, Mercedes, he was never going to beat them because the degradation was different. Well, I think that Mercedes definitely had Sergio Perez beaten. I mean, almost a given going into the race there. But Max Verstappen is that much better on tyre management. He's that much better when it comes to just being able to, to, to pull off a, a victory that I think perhaps... He would have had a chance later on had he been able to stay out of an incident there. So maybe he'll just reflect on that and think, ah, I probably should have done it. That said, it's Max Verstappen. He's, he's unlikely to. And again, I think we have to ask the question, does he race Lewis Hamilton differently to other drivers? And I think the, on the evidence of today, he clearly does. And I think mm. I think Lewis Hamilton also, it's 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 the situation at Cops from 2021. He's he's just like, I'm not going to back down now. That's, that's just, you know, how it's going to be. If Mercedes can get the W14 package into title contention, I, I I would predict 2021 all over again. That is, that nothing has particularly changed in how they race each other. And five laps, five, sorry, five corners later, Norris was penalised by the stewards, but he said, what's Leclerc trying to do going around the outside there? The move was never on. So here uh, he uh, biffed Leclerc into the barrier. It was a big, big shunt. Bearing in mind Leclerc came home fourth, by the way. That was a huge impact. Anyway, they're building, building strong, as the cliche goes. Uh, Alex, we'll, we'll stay with you. On this one, whose fault was that? Don't know what you're on about there, Lando. That was definitely <laughs> your fault. I think Leclerc's, Leclerc's going to come around the outside because he's been jumped at turn one. He's on the the slower, the, the slightly inferior tyre. He's keen to get on with it, and he's in a much faster car. So, of course, he's going to try it. And I think he gave plenty of space. Norris Speed's understeer a little bit, got onto the kerb, and that undid him, sent him into Leclerc. So that the penalty is, is fully justified. Maybe Lando got a bit surprised, I don't know. But yeah, that, that one seemed much more uh, much more clear cut, a bit like the other McLaren driver. Comparing it to the Hamilton Verstappen Staff one, Leclerc at point of sort of intact and where they were coming together was, was further ahead as well. So if anything, it's like more more to blame on Norris's side. And and as you yeah, as you commented there, how how that Ferrari who was still in the race after that contact, because oh, not only the other the contact with Norris, but then hitting the hitting the barrier was amazing. It was almost sort of Alpine-esque with um, Alonso's uh, shunt in uh, in Austin. But yeah, no, Norris, Norris fully to blame, takes the penalty. I think racing drivers have a big book of excuses and uh, <laughs> I'm sure they can dig into it like, like uh, Lando Norris has done there. But uh, unfortunately, it won't 
won't run for us. Luke? I wouldn't say pretty standard, but people do overtake there. We saw Fernando Alonso, I think, pull the move there later in the race, actually. So that excuse doesn't really stand up. Uh, I'm more intrigued what Charles Leclerc called him over the radio because it was a full-out full out bleep. You didn't even hear, it, hear a single letter of that. So <laughs> Very don't naughty know, word. I don't know how fruity he got. but uh, watch it back. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, I, again, like a really clumsy move from Lando. And I, I thought, yeah, I think as many did, that's Leclerc's race run. And yeah, he did very well to back it out and uh, eventually get all the way back up to P4. So yeah, very good effort from him. But yeah, Lando can absolutely, yeah, bang to rights on that one. There you go. I thought we'd change the format out for the podcast. There's, there's two to go and start with all of the incidents and uh, and make you guys uh, judge and, and jury. Though you've all agreed you'd be you'd be rubbish as Red Bull teammates. There's no fighting. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about the eventual winner, uh, George Russell. I thought it was just uh, a masterful weekend for George Russell, actually. Whether it was yesterday in the sprint taking on uh, Max Verstappen or whether it was today keeping Perez just outside DRS and then Hamilton later in the race just outside DRS 2 Two uh, uh, safety car restarts, uh, a track where potentially a long drag down to a first corner that is good for overtaking. And he managed all of it absolutely perfectly. Luke, we'll stay with you. Just George, how impressed were you with with, with George today? Uh, Not just his race, but his weekend as well. And of course, his first win in Formula One. Fantastic. We all know what George Russell is capable of. We saw the glimpses of it at Williams. We saw that one-off cameo for Mercedes at Sakir in 2020, how close he came to winning on debut for the team there. And then I think we've seen throughout this season just how good he has been, how consistent he's been, uh, turning the Mr. Saturday cliche that is so overused by TV types into Mr. Sunday, so, so consistent, and then becomes Mr. Sassett again by winning the sprint yesterday, going wheel to wheel with Verstappen and winning, really bided his time very, very well there. But then in the race today, yeah, it was just real, real control. There was rarely a point where you thought he's really under pressure here, looked after his tyres very well, stretched out the stints very nicely, always had a sort of Perez in his pocket. I think the only time there was any kind of question about is he going to win this race was when the late safety car came out and that meant that Lewis Hamilton was going to be right behind him and Russell asked over the radio are we protecting the one two or are we going to race and Mercedes has always said to its drivers you're free to race unless we've got the championship to think about so there was that freedom to race but he really nailed the restart and then yeah was over a second clear of Hamilton by the time DRS kicked in so yeah could then just bring it home from there but interestingly talking to Toto Wolff after the race he revealed that there was actually a water leak on Russell's car that they noticed about halfway through the race and they were fearing that it might cause him to retire with about four or five laps to go which obviously would have been heartbreaking given the circumstances of his defeat in Bahrain a couple of years ago but they didn't tell George so he was just driving around dominating this race staying in complete control with an issue on his car that could have ended his race and the team decided not to tell him because they were like we just want to get him to the end let the car cool itself with whatever is in there if the water's not if the water's gone if it's leaked away then just let it somehow work but we can't distract him we can't put him off or anything like that and it worked perfectly so I think it's been yeah a real exemplary display from George all the way through this weekend as it's been 
throughout this season, to be honest. And I think it really shows that Mercedes made 100% the right call, putting him in the car uh, for for this year. Total Wolf said afterwards he was reflecting on this 16-year-old who came in wearing a suit and with a PowerPoint when he first <laughs> met George uh, all those years ago. And uh, he said, like, Williams was a very good school for him. But he said maybe he was there a year too long. And you're kind of thinking, is there maybe a bit of Mercedes that thinks, oh, we should have done this a year sooner and, and made that change. But uh, no, I think today we've seen everything that we've not learned anything new about George Russell. Like we know he can win races. We know how good he is. But at last he is a Formula One Grand Prix winner and he so deserves it. On that, on that water leak, I mean, unless, because you, you hear it all the time with uh, drivers being told to, you know, fail, censor, so-and-so. But I guess if there's nothing that he could have done from the cockpit, there's absolutely no point telling him apart from, you know, maybe backing off could have got points. At this stage of the season, if they if they blow up an engine, then, it you know, there's one more race to go. So um, let him race. Oh, that's fascinating insight. Uh, Alex, uh, you followed George Russell's career for a very long time. Uh, what did you make of today's maiden victory? Yeah, terrific, terrific uh, victory today. Uh, I, I, do, I do dispute you calling it a masterful weekend, though, Martin, after what he did in qualifying, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, going off into the gravel and then booting it around. So as I've already discussed... This is, discussed beca- this is my... because you are used to writing the driver ratings and you, yeah, have, well. you have to be level-headed mm-hmm. and analytical. And I, I get to just spout crap as the host of the podcast. So And you do, and you do it so well, Martin. <laughs> Thank so. you very much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah. Let's, let's not forget that uh, he, did, uh, he did have that mistake in qualifying uh, which arguably you know secured him third place on the sprint grid uh, I know the rain was coming in anyway it would have been very difficult but yeah today 10 out of 10 tremendous same in the sprint you know I think Red Bull will probably reflect on this weekend and it looked like in, even though you know there was sort of it, it was conflicting information coming out that they chose to start on the mediums to have a preferable uh, Grand Prix race strategy and it just seems that you know now we've seen how it all plays out the the, the risk was too great. It meant that Verstappen ended up down the order in the wars in the sprint race, even more in the wars in the main race. Um, But Russell, great passes, great, you know, patience to attack Verstappen yesterday and then uh, make the move stick. And then, as as you said in your intro, Martin, you know, the start was one of the best starts of the season. He was was completely gone in the opening three corners. Uh, Now the restarts very sensibly didn't give uh, Lewis Hamilton... You know any opportunity at those two, um, and he just drove brilliantly. And I was I was following, um, I was listening onto his onboards uh, with his radio communication with his engineer, also looking at his lap times. He just had it under control. You know, even when um, Hamilton had, had come into the pits and then you know been pitted a little bit early to, to to ward off the undercut threat from Perez, he wasn't he wasn't homing in on Russell. You know, I think it would have been probably closer come the end of the race than, you know, the, the gap that Russell had after his second stop. But still, I think he had it all under control. The fact that the car might not have made the finish uh, makes that all the more impressive. But yeah, definitely Mercedes making the right call uh, not to distract him there. Almost, if that had happened, that would have been a very George Russell thing to happen, considering what happened in Bahrain a couple of years ago. But yeah, very pleased for George. Um, I spoke to him on Friday night for a sort of end of season uh, yeah, you know, season review feature that will be coming out soon in Autosport Magazine and Autosport.com Plus, and I'm sure many news stories as well. It's really interesting to hear his take on how the year's gone, you know, because obviously there was this big, uh, big thing made of all those top five finishes and him being ahead of Hamilton in the championship. And it's interesting, he's sort of suggesting that, and the, the team backs this up as well, that as, as, as Luke mentioned, you know, that the time spent at Williams served him very well when it came to having a difficult car that you couldn't engineer the perfect balance into. You just had to sort of get onto it. Russell was able to do that and Hamilton wasn't able to do that as well. So it's really interesting hearing that. And also just, I don't know, I think Russell 
he's had a he's had a run of of pretty poor races when you think uh, Austin, Singapore, things like that. Speaking to him on, on on Thursday night, it sounded like he's he'd sort of reflected on that already, and and a few things that people have been saying from the outside about his radio messages and things like that. You, you got the feeling he'd already compartmentalised that, thought about it, decided how he was going to be different in the future, and I think that came across today. He was very calm. He was very level headed. I think uh, I think he was playing the game quite smartly in asking about you know are we going to be racing or protecting the one two Mercedes as, as Luke said was never going to entertain that really. But yeah, fantastic from Russell and and good job to Mercedes. What a, what a, what an unlikely scenario considering how awful that car was in the Bahrain test uh, and the early part of the season. Well, that's a good point, isn't it, Hayden? Because they had the machinery this weekend. We'll get on to Red Bull in a minute, and there is a bigger story, obviously, with the drivers. Um, but there's actually a, an interesting storyline ar- around Red Bull performance. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Mercedes' performance. And in, in an equal car, Lewis... Hmm, how do I say this? I don't want to say followed him home, because that implies he wasn't trying. I must admit, when I was watching it, there was part of me thinking, right, he's gapped science behind him to three seconds. Is he going to stick it all on the line? and risk a big shunt with George. Was that full attack, Lewis, or not? I'll give the little asterisk already early, which was obviously had the clash with Verstappen early doors. Didn't seem to impact car performance too much, given he was setting fastest laps, and generally he was on a on a rapid pace um, through the couple of stints in that race. But maybe because they're in equal machinery, maybe they was carrying a little bit of damage, could just use, yeah lack that little bit of uh, top-end performance, let's say. But... Yeah, Hamilton obviously also had to sort of fight his way back through the pack, having dipped down a few spots with the, after the clash with Verstappen. Uh, that gave Russell time to basically, okay, the safety cars sort of nullified a lot of that, but manage his own race, manage his own tyres. So, yeah, there was there was more of an advantage Russell had. He had the clean and largely trouble-free re-race, which Hamilton didn't. So I guess you could yeah you could flip another way and say if Hamilton did win today after everything had come through and say had beaten Russell in those like final 10 laps for example then yeah it would have said oh it's Hamilton true masterclass fighting back through adversity but no Russell did did the job with with the tools that he's got um and I think yeah full credit to him as 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 everyone has said really um it has been obviously intriguing that Mercedes obviously have have said in recent races particularly Mexico and and Brazil like we're getting close to the win but maybe we missed our best chances and performance is getting there but but yeah, they were obviously too far behind in terms of the championship. But yeah, that, that car has come on leaps and bounds, especially since the, the upgrade that arrived in Austin. And and as Alex said, yeah, if they can get it right next year, then then they can probably take it to Red Bull going on, going on their form over the past three races, let's say. I haven't looked at whether there is definitive damage on, on Hamilton's car afterwards. Uh, he did carve his way through, though, from, from eighth and even missed out on some bad safety car timing as well because he wanted to hang on to those uh, those mediums when they brought him in f- uh, for softs. Uh, Alex, who is doing the driver ratings this weekend? You, is it your Q doing driver ratings? Uh, that's all Matt Q. Oh, uh, that's all that lovely Q. responsibility. Yeah. But, if, yes. but if it was you, what would you give Hamilton? Probably an eight. Okay. I think because he has to lose a point for not being on it as quickly as Russell was in Q3 uh, for to end up qualifying down the order. Yeah. Uh, and also he has to take some pain for the for the crash with Verstappen because as I said, I think that uh, okay. that probably cost him the win. If you think just historically over the course of a race, you, you, you'd say Hamilton was the favourite compared to Russell. Um, but yeah, just also on the sort of the, the chase to the end after the safety car, um, I think Hamilton, yeah, his car definitely was damaged. You could see um, bits of the, the front bit of the floor w- were missing. Um, how, how much... Uh, even Mercedes wasn't sort of quantifying that. What I would say is I just think Russell 
he nailed getting out of DRS range and that's what did Hamilton. And maybe Hamilton was hoping that he's, you know, the tyre situation would come to him at the end. And there was one lap where Russell did lose a couple of attempts and I suddenly thought, oh, hang on a minute, this might not be over yet, but but he held on. Russell just benefited once he got out of that DRS threat from, from being in front. You know, we know the slipstream effect is reduced, but Hamilton was closing in every sector one and every sector three and Russell was pulling out in every sector two. And again, like the, the dirty air effect on a following car is reduced, but it, it's still there. So I think once he'd done enough to get out of DRS range, that's what sealed it. I think they were both they were both pushing. They were both setting personal bests right at the start of the stint for a good sort of five, six lap period. And then just as the tyres went away, they got slower and slower and slower. But they did it at the sort of the, at the same rate. Yeah, they both two stopped, didn't they? Russell stopped first to get rid of the softs on lap 24, uh, then went medium, then back to softs. And Hamilton was uh, five laps later coming in on lap 29. And then it's a short middle stint on the the, uh, the C3 mediums, even coming in before George Russell, which Hamilton on the radio was saying his tyres were finally wanted to carry on with them uh, so for Mercedes yeah both of them made we're talking about you know maybe maybe contra strategies before the race and you know they could split it and cover both bases but it was a it was a two-stop which worked out of course safety cars played into that as, as well a little bit I guess but Luke any final thoughts on Mercedes before I move on to Ferrari that you want to chip in or not yeah it's just incredible that <laughs> they've got as many one-two finishes this year as Ferrari do and they can still beat them to second place in the championship as we go into the final round in Abu Dhabi and yeah they've done an amazing job to overhaul things to to turn things around to work out why the car was so slow the baked in problem that they've had that was beyond the the porpoising that they thought in the early part of the season if they cured then they they would be there and uh, I think that they've come a very long way and and Toto Wolf he wasn't actually in uh, Brazil this weekend He, he missed this race it's only the third race he's missed since joining his role at Mercedes, the others being Suzuka earlier this year and the 2018 Brazilian Grand Prix. And this is the first one of those races, though, that Mercedes has won without him being on site. And we saw in the cool-down room, George Russell was on FaceTime to to Wolf uh, afterwards to talk to him. And then Mercedes hastily arranged a a Zoom call with Toto so we could actually chat to him after the race because that was never the plan. And uh, yeah, Toto was like, I I don't actually remember, have we won a race without me present before? And uh, the head of comms at Mercedes said yes China 2012 you weren't with the team that's how (laughs) long ago and for all the success Mercedes has had uh, and Toto has always been there so yeah funny for him not to be on site but he said that made him even prouder the fact that he can comfortably sort of hand the reins over to someone else and there is so much depth in that team and they've just come such a long way and it's so exciting for next year as well to think that yeah if Red Bull keep being as good as they've been if Mercedes keep on this trajectory if Ferrari get their act together what a brilliant fight we might have for next year's world championship they gave the spotlight to Andrew Shovelin to James Valls obviously in Toto to Toto's absence and it was really nice to see those different members of the team being able to make comment they're all more than able to make comment but it's always the team principal's job i noticed that the the sky f1 boycott was lifted because uh, they needed to do a little bit of um management of that situation so christian horner was straight on to sky to go, everything's fine between the drivers so that was quite funny uh, we'll get onto that in a minute uh, let's talk a little bit about the ferraris then carlos science made a three-stop work here and Leclerc followed him home. And, of course, we heard on the radio towards the end, Leclerc was uh, pitching his proposal to the team that uh, that they should swap positions. Of course, they go into Abu Dhabi equal on points. Uh, Leclerc and Perez tied on 290. How about that going into the last race of the season uh, with two drivers tied on 
points. Uh, what was your reading of uh, Ferrari today? Great drive by Carlos Sainz, I would say. And also, uh, what a recovery drive as well from Charles Leclerc. Yeah, both drivers had adversity to fight through for, for different reasons. Obviously, you mentioned the Leclerc getting uh, hit by Norris and heavily hit into the wall, so effectively going to the back early on and, and fighting through and getting up to, to fourth. Uh, but Sainz had the grid penalty for an engine change. So he started seventh, having finished the sprint second, so would have been a bit further ahead of the fight, and then had to pit early and slightly change his strategy because he got a, a, a visor tear-off stuck in his brake duct, which is the exact same thing that happened to Charles Leclerc at Spa earlier this season. A coincidence to say the least. Maybe, maybe the, the design of the Ferrari brake ducts is too hoovery for, for visors. I, I'm not quite sure, but... Um, Either way, yeah. He, so he had uh, his, his strategy and pace obviously got there. It looked like his race could be over when his, his uh, brake was on fire for quite a while. <laughs> thought oh, this could end in tears. But um, yeah, in the end, he got on the podium. So where they, in terms of where they finished with the adversity, that's, it looks like a good result overall. Obviously, they don't want to be finishing behind a 1-2 and Mercedes, considering they should on paper have mm. still the, or one of the fastest cars. And in that fight for second place in the constructors is, is under threat now. And the sum of it is what I would say is probably three and four, given everything that happened, is not the worst result they could have come away with. The team orders talk, which, I'm, as you've alluded to, we'll get onto with Red Bull in particular. The clerk was asking Ferrari if he could be put ahead of signs uh, going into those last few laps, knowing that the positions looked fairly sorted with one eye on the driver's fight against Perez. Um, and it was a thing Ferrari didn't yet, yeah, didn't consider, nor, nor did they even tell signs, I believe. It was more of a... No, we, we can't deny Carlos this this penalty. Uh, sorry, this podium, and I, I think it was sort of fair enough. At the end of the day, yes, second place in the drivers' championship is it's better than third, but I don't know. Does it does it does it really does it really matter to them? Maybe it does. I don't know, but I'd I'd rather have a podium one fair and square than than say losing it that way. But that's just me. But uh, yeah, so in summary. Not the best of days, given who finished ahead of them, but not the worst of days, given what happened to both their cars. So, yeah, but they won't go away from Interlagos feeling satisfied, that's for sure. Interesting one, isn't it, Alex? Because so much this season has been a, a story of how the Red Bulls, and particularly Max, has been able to make these tyres work at times when Ferrari couldn't. And yet this is a weekend when we saw Mercedes genuinely win on pace and Ferrari genuinely be where they are on pace was it all down to tires or Alex what are your thoughts on on Ferrari's performance I think it's a few things and obviously it's, you're talking about three different uh, teams there in that question so I think <laughs> just, with Red, just, just with Red Bull first of all I've seen nothing to suggest that they that, that was a race that they were always destined to lose I think Christian Horn has come out and said look I think we just got the setup wrong in that one hour of practice uh, they got their sums wrong on, on the tires and things like that because of the sprint weekend format um, so it can happen. We've seen Red Bull do it a few times uh, over the last few seasons. Um, that was ultimately was what undid them this weekend. But I still think that the Red Bull package is the faster package compared to the Mercedes. You know, I think Verstappen didn't didn't help himself with the haste of his move. As I've mm. already clarified, I don't think he was necessarily wholly at fault for what happened with Hamilton. So that's Red Bull, right? I think if they get everything right, they should still win that race. Mercedes has carried on developing its car. Again, another season review interview I did with uh, Mike Elliott, technical director at Mercedes, taking over from James Allison uh, last year. He confirmed that, you know, the, the way it looks on the outside is that Barcelona update package 
was aimed at fixing the porpoising, which it did, although it took them a while to sort of get it all together and then it revealed the bouncing stiffness problem that they had. Then that update that they brought to Austin was about making the car faster and that seems to have worked. So it's really come into their favour. At the same time, Ferrari hasn't been developing its car. I think it's given up. They've already come out. Um, um, Benotto and Mekis have said around sort of Singapore time, look, you know, we, we've stopped developing the car. We're fully focused on 2023. So I think there's a few factors that all come together there that mean Mercedes win that race. Don't get me wrong. They aced it on their setup. They aced it on their choices. They aced it on their strategy. I do wonder if you if you want if you had to insist on playing a sort of tinfoil hat conspiracy uh, game, the, the the decision to stop Hamilton and cover Perez. I think that to me from the outside looked a little bit like right. We're going to make sure we're going to bank an easy second place. And oh, funnily enough, that makes things much easier for George Russell. That was the one that looked uh, slightly more suspect. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's obviously completely ridiculous with conspiracy theories, as all conspiracy theories are. Um, with, uh, yeah, so, so, so that's it. Yeah, Mercedes aced everything. It seemed Red Bull got things wrong. And yet also Mercedes have, have engineered their car to get it into the fight. And again, like I just, I'm just this whole weekend, this whole end of the season, a season that promised so much ultimately became a one, one driver show, you know, all these dead rubbers that have actually got me excited for, for next year. If, if this can be the three way fight that it's sort of pointing towards, but won't that be fantastic? Before then let's talk about this race uh, and Luke and Ferrari today could that without Leclerc's incidents on lap seven, could they have been uh, on the podium twice, do you think? Or do they have the pace to get ahead of the, the Mercedes at times? Uh, no, I think the Mercedes had too much there. I think okay. the Mercedes all round was the quickest package. Um, they uh, they don't really know why they were so much quicker than everyone else. But I think that, yeah, science, I think, did a did a good job. I thought his, yeah, his race was very well managed and they did well to come in under the safety car as well at the end and, um, yeah, get, get that stop in. But I think that realistically, I think that, yeah, Mercedes just had too much for them today. So really third and fourth, that's probably the maximum Ferrari could have managed, maybe a bit flattering even if you sort of consider that Red Bull would probably have been in there somewhere with Verstappen. But, uh, yeah, I think that's probably... Probably about right for Ferrari. After today's race, maybe it was uh, on the radio during it, the quote from Perez is, I believe that if Max has two world championships, it's down to me. What would make him say that? Why are they bickering and fighting? And what's been the resolution? We'll talk about that next on the podcast after the break. Stick around. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner well the podcast today is sponsored once again by our friends at Babel. now if you watch formula one for the whole shebang all afternoon you'll know that earlier before the race maybe 45 minutes before they line up on the grid the drivers do their driver's parade so often in some sort of open-topped classic car being driven around as they sit in the back and wave at the fans and often get interviewed as well and lewis hamilton today while being interviewed said hey thanks for all my fans coming out loads of fans in brazil but hey i'm sorry i don't speak better portuguese you know lewis you could always try back to learn a new language for most of us learning a second language it hasn't always been a high point so we need a little bit of extra help whether that is with work or for pleasure 
talking to family or friends or forging connections. Babbel makes learning a language quick and easy because it's natural conversation. 15-minute lessons are efficient and effective, created by 150 language experts. So this is stuff that you'll actually use, you know, in real life, not like it seems like when I was at school and I was thinking, hmm, how do I use some of this? They're interactive lessons, not just talking to a robot. And uh, with Babbel, you can choose 14 different languages from Spanish, French, Italian, German, and way more as well with their speech recognition technology. It helps you get better faster. Now, of course, we have a promo code. There's always a promo code, isn't there? But if you are going to sign up to Babbel, you've thought, right, that's it. Maybe for a holiday next year, or I just want to improve myself over the rest of this year, then of course you can use our promo code. Uh, it gives you six months free with a purchase of a six-month subscription. Uh, you go to babble.com slash play and promo code autosport, all one word. That is babble.com, B-A-B-B-E-L.com forward slash play. Use the promo code autosports to get that deal with Babbel, where language learning that works. Now back to the podcast. All right, let's get back to the podcast then. And, oh, Red Bull. Red Bull have created a situation out of nothing when it didn't need to be there. Uh, Have Red Bull done that? Or has Max Verstappen created that situation out of nothing? Or has Sergio Perez created that situation out of nothing? Like I say, the battle for second in the Drivers' Championship locked on 290 points apiece, Leclerc and Perez. What a year it would be to win the Drivers, the Constructors, and get a 1-2 for Red Bull. Well, they can engineer that by Max Verstappen uh, following team orders. He uh, he was he overtook Sergio Perez, but couldn't get any further. Uh, couldn't take on the Ferraris or um, Fernando Alonso, who we will talk about in a moment. By the way, I know I've skipped him out, uh, but let's talk about that crazy storyline afterwards with the team orders, which Max Verstappen just absolutely defied and very quickly on the radio was chiding his team saying we've talked about this I'm not I'm not doing it I'm not following team orders Sergio Perez a brilliant number two driver and no doubt in very fortunate to have worked his hard work to get into that seat but he knows he's in a really good position paid very well and in a car that can win races it's the dream gig if you know you're not quite as good as Max Verstappen. But he was furious on the radio today. So much so that Christian Horner apologised to him for Max Verstappen not following team orders and swapping the places back when they crossed the line. Alex, I know you've got some really strong feelings about this. Particularly what Perez said as well. Do you want to jump in? Yeah, it's just, first of all, what a spectacular own goal yes. for a team that has totally dominated the season, has won the, had the champ, both championships wrapped up with rounds to spare. How utterly bizarre that they've let this happen. The thing that's particularly sort of rough me up is that Perez quote where he says Max has won two championships and it's down to me or sort of paraphrasing that's essentially what he's saying there hmm that's quite disingenuous Sergio I do think you have a point about Abu Dhabi 2021 I know that if you add up all the time that uh, Lewis Hamilton lost while fighting Perez in that amazing defense it doesn't quite add up to enough time to guarantee that that's actually what won Verstappen the title but if Perez doesn't do that I think Mercedes have more than enough time to call Lewis Hamilton in and he's the one who's got the uh, new tyres available at the restart. So Perez absolutely was key to Max Verstappen winning the 2021 world title. The second one, are you kidding me, Sergio? Do you, are you Is this all down to the fact that you pressured Leclerc to go off in Japan and that's where Max secured the title? Because I really don't think you had a lot to do with how Max Verstappen won his second title. He destroyed the competition. He destroyed Perez. Like... That's a really weird comment for Perez to make. Anyway, that's one thing. The other thing is the is the whole team orders 
gate how on earth have they let this happen and i'm sure um you know we'll, we'll come on to explain that in a bit more detail but it all goes back apparently to the monaco grand prix and sergio perez's crash in qualifying and the implication that other people i think it's uh, eric van harem dutch journalist from uh, the telegraph uh, explaining that that's what has infuriated the Verstappen. There was that weird Jos Verstappen column that came out after Monaco being like, oh, Red Bull should have backed Max and he would have won that race. And it all centres, it seems, on this crash, which the suggestions are it was done deliberately by Perez. Now, if that's true, that's pretty outrageous if he did that to protect his position. You know, Michael Schumacher parking at the Raskas, the same track. His sporting integrity is, is awful there. It definitely wouldn't have stopped... Uh, Verstappen getting pole. I think Leclerc was 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 well clear in Monaco in pole position, but Verstappen was on course to get ahead of Perez on the grid. And if things play out as they do in the rain and with Ferrari being a total shambles, then it is Verstappen that wins that race. So it seems that that's where all the furies come from. It's just I'd like, but like I said, it's just a total own goal. I just don't understand how, you know, you, you, you as a team, you can't have a driver defying you like that and then so publicly making this all come out. It's really odd. Just for what it's worth also, I thought Leclerc was pretty disingenuous as well, asking Science to give up his podium. It just came off as a, as a bit sort of like underwhelming, really. Science but said yeah, he would anyway. have given it up. Science said afterwards he would have swapped oh, places. Fair enough. Oh, go on, Carlos. What a nice yeah. guy. I mean, maybe. he doesn't have to do it, so it's fine. I mean, maybe he's just beaten down after the year he's had. But ESPN F1 uh, tweeted out a list of times when... Perez has helped Verstappen. They said Monaco overcuts Hamilton to sixth place. Max wins it. Baku doesn't allow Hamilton to pass him all race. And at the second um, start, Hamilton goes long and ends 16th. France, uh, due to position, makes Hamilton not go in the pits. Therefore, Max catches, passes and wins the race. Silverstone took the fastest lap off of Hamilton. Turkey, Perez defends and leaves Hamilton back in fifth, whereas Max comes home second. Austin makes Hamilton do a pit stop too soon. To prevent the undercut, Max wins. Brazil takes the fastest lap from Hamilton. Abu Dhabi holds him up, making Hamilton skip the pit stops not to lose a position. ESPN pointing out, look, all the times that Perez has effectively either taken one for the team or just done his job as a number two driver. Luke, what's... All those examples are from 2021, though. Okay, well... So that, that just backs up my point. Yeah, like, well, yeah, well not... done, Sergio. You were really helpful last year. Last year. Were you really, really helpful this year? Like, yeah, he moved over for him a couple of times when Max was definitely quicker, what, in Spain and Baku. But come on. Yeah. Now, look, Luke, I, I understand when people sometimes don't always get on board with like the, the Max's personality when he comes across as not a team player, but he's also a double world champion. Max Verstappen, literally born into motorsport, is wired like this, surely? Is it not his fault that he would defy team orders? What do you think, Luke? It's all over sixth place, though. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what is so baffling. This is a driver who's won 14 races this year. He's won the world championship with a record number of points. Undoubtedly, one of the best seasons we have ever seen in Formula One. What on earth does he gain by this? He gains absolutely nothing by, I know, showing he's the alpha, showing that it's his team. We know that. He's shown that on track all the way through this season. And I, I'm that is what really baffles me about all of this. Like I'm all for drivers wanting to stand their ground and say, look, no, I've I've I I don't agree with this or something like that, or resisting what their team is doing. But like when you look at, I don't know, maybe Vettel and Leclerc at Ferrari in, in 2019. That was sort of basically who is going to define the future of this team? Who is our man moving forward? There's kind of something to fight over there. For this though, that just I don't I don't get it. And it it does sound like it all, as Alex said, dates back to to Monaco. And this is about 
payback. Verstappen said that it was related to something in the past. He didn't really mention, uh, didn't, sorry, he didn't give any specifics as one would expect. He said it was about something in the past and that now it's all been talked about and it's all cleared up and it's out in the open and he'll definitely help Perez in Abu Dhabi. Why on earth have, have he held on to this anger for what, five, five and a half, six months? Like for all of the sort of backslapping and yeah, we're a great team and we work really well together that, that, that we hear out of Red Bull at times. Verstappen sat on this for six months. He stewed on this for six months. And it's fortunate, I think, for Red Bull that it didn't blow up in a more spectacular way, that it wasn't fighting one and two, and then we see a sort of Weber Vettel Turkey 2010 repeat or something like that, that it was only P6 that, that it all came down to. And I think ultimately, yeah, Perez, I think, yeah, this year hasn't been as as good and as helpful in terms of helping Verstappen. I think he's been a step forward in terms of his own performance, but he's not really been needed to be the sort of dutiful teammate that he was last year. But I think that for Max, I, I just don't understand. What does he gain from all of this? And it just does seem to all come down to, is this about, is it about sort of power plays is it about like who calls the shots I, I don't know and who who's who runs the team who is anyone bigger than the team is Verstappen the man who's giving Red Bull all of the, this success bigger than the team if he doesn't want to talk to Sky does that mean Red Bull as a whole do not talk to Sky Sports I, I don't know it's stuff that I think Red Bull really needs to, to work out because they've got this incredible talent once in a generation talent who could rewrite all of the record books as he has done through so much of this year and then he does something like that. And it's like, I don't, I just don't see what he gains from it. It's really, I think it's just put a bit of a sour note on what has been otherwise a pretty exemplary blemish-free year for Verstappen. He's been fantastic right the way through. And then he does something like this and you're like, oh, why? Like, I just don't see what he gains from it. So yeah, very, very strange. Um, I think a sad situation for Perez because obviously he wants that Peter in the championship and Red Bull have said, yeah, we'll we'll help him. Horner said on the grid that we'll, we'll do what we need to do to, to help Checo get Peter in the championship should the situation arise. Saying to Max, after your race has already been ruined, you're going to finish seventh instead of sixth. Surely that's that's okay. But maybe, as you say, Martin, maybe it comes down to just how Max is wired that, no, he has to win everything. He has to be at the front. He has to get the maximum result. That's fine. But honestly, they've, they've got another two years of this lineup if Perez sees out his contracts. And this is a big, big fracture that is going to take more than Max saying, oh, we've talked about it. I'm over this thing that I wasn't over for five and a half months. It's all okay now. And I will help him in Abu Dhabi. They've got a lot of work to do, I think, to fix this relationship because that is a, a real, real big thing for them to have uh, had today. I was reminded of the front cover of F1 Racing Magazine, which we now call GP Racing Magazine. In May 2013, the May 2013 issue of F1 Racing, uh, we put a picture of Sebastian Vettel on the front cover, split down the middle of his face, uh, one half his face, the other half Darth Vader. And with the headline we put on F1 uh, Racing was The Dark Side of Vettel. First Senna, then Schumacher, now it's Seb you'll love to hate. You know, now, obviously, Twitter was around, social media was around in, in 2013, not as um, uh, as it is now, so people can't instantly make their hot takes uh, like they do now. This is just, it's multi-21, isn't it? It's just, it's team orders, and it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And for that, I respect Max for being a, a winner and a racing driver, but as Luke just, just said, like, it's not because he could have got the the win. It's not because he could have broken more records. It's not because 
he could have scored big points. It's not because the championship was on the line. It's all wrapped up. Just be the good guy. Think about your legacy uh, and think about what people think. You know what? He doesn't care. He's not that kind of guy that needs the public to adore him, is he? I mean, how did you read it, Hayden? Yeah, totally. I mean, you're bang on. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what we think. He doesn't care what you think. I mean, well, we'll say that, although he does care what some people think because then he won't speak to them. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it is one of those, yeah, where he had, he had basically had nothing to gain apart from the, the point to prove. Now, this is very speculative from my side because I think the scenario is unlikely to ever unfold and, and Perez will certainly need to do a lot of improvement. But say the shoe is the other foot next season and, and say he needs Perez to step aside in a title fight situation or a, or a very, very tense, critical point. What if Perez goes, you know what? I remember Sao Paulo 2022. I'm not going to do it. And yeah, it totally backfires on him. It's just so unnecessary. Yeah, but Perez I- won't do that though, though, will he? Because he's got. He would have done it before, but now he now he has now he has credence to now he has justification. Like, say if he's fighting for the title, say say if they're both fighting for the title next year or something in that scenario, yeah, he he's clearly upset by this and whether he's being forced to or or whatever sort of become the the true number two driver and, and clearly no driver wants that tag, but that's sort of where he's being pushed into and it's just so unnecessary and mm. it's almost yeah. laughable really, but. This is this, as you say, this driven mentality from Team Verstappen. Uh, I'm trying to think of a clever wordplay, but it's not come to me yet of, of blending Red Bull into Verstappen's name. And but mm. basically, it is yeah, he's trying to make it Team Team Verstappen. It already sort of is in, in the is. nicest way possible. I've said it countless times on Sunday Night Podcast. That's the way you're going to win World Championships if you're in a title fight against a team like Ferrari, who give equal to their drivers. That's if you want to be ruthless, like it or not, like the way that Red Bull go about their business or not, that's the way you're going to win. So if you've got someone of his talent on your team, you don't want Hamilton Rosberg all over again. This is the thing. I think Hayden's right. Verstappen has created a needless risk here that Perez might do something in the future, you know, sort of maverick and and not play the team game. And it just seems to be so odd. But if Verstappen feels so fiercely about this Monaco qualifying crash, as it's suggested he has been, I think Sky asked him directly and he, sort of half smiled and goes well you make your own mind up which is a sort of non-denial denial um but with that if, if, that, if that's true that Perez did that then it needs to be investigated by the governing body and if he didn't then Perez needs it you know it's, it's it's an outrageous sort of you know thing to to be saying about Perez so nobody benefits from from this all coming out in public apart from us because we love a good scandal but there we go um just with on, with Red Bull though this is one of their historic weaknesses they just what do you don't mean, like- seem to have uh, just as in, as in, they don't, they don't, they don't seem to be have full control over their top stars. You mentioned multi twenty one there, mm. Martin, quite correctly, because that again was a just totally bizarre bit of driving from from Vettel and decision making, and and it, and it undermined the team and made them look weak. And I think he was thinking about Mark Webber squeezing him down the inside at this very track in Brazil in twenty twelve. You know where he had that the third title that he won, the one against uh, Fernando Alonso. That's what he was thinking about in multi twenty one. But just, yeah, they just don't seem to be able to to totally have control of the situation. The Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg thing got out of control, but Mercedes were very firm with what they did. Red Bull just don't seem to be able to do that. And then, you know, Daniel Ricciardo left because he felt it had become Verstappen's team and things like that. I don't know, it just, it's something that I think Red Bull would do well to get on top of. 
to make it clear that no one is above the team. If Verstappen keeps winning titles, if Red Bull keep winning Constructors' Championships, don't have any reason necessarily to do that other than they will have these random flashpoints come up and it won't look great for them. Let's move on. And I'm fully aware that we skipped out Fernando Alonso. And before we started recording, I said, Luke, you're going to have to tell me because I wasn't paying attention to him and how he ended up a brilliant fifth in that Alpine, the team that he's leaving, the team that he can't get out of quick enough after yesterday's quotes to the media. I don't know. Be careful what you wish for, because that was a great fifth place today. But last last time I checked, he was starting near the back of the grid and he pops home fifth. Uh, Luke, how did he do that? Yeah, it was a great display by Alonso. And uh, I think proof again that Aston Martin might have signed a 41-year-old, but they're probably getting one of the best drivers on the grid for next year. It was a really, really good drive from him. And yeah, as you say, he started obviously way down the order after the Alpine uh, instance with him and Ocon yesterday that Otmar Safnau was so angry about and said they'd let the team down. The fight against McLaren for P4 obviously is so close and stuff like that. It was just a needless exercise really throwing away such a good grid position for the race. But then Alonso came back into it really, really well. I mean, he was only sitting, what, 12th after sort of the opening stages and that first safety car. But um, the, but then, yeah, it was an early pit stop that ultimately sort of put him on the right trajectory. We saw how powerful the undercut was. So by coming in early for his first and second stops, he was getting a good jump on, this, on the other cars around him. But then what really saved his race, actually, was the fact that we did have that late virtual safety car, which turned into a full safety car that meant that Alonso was able to, to come into the pits only lose uh, what a handful of positions four positions instead of dropping further down the order and that the field was nice and bunched up so he had a fresh set of softs he could fly his way up the order and pick off uh, what Esteban Ocon obviously there was a bit of uh, back and forth on the radio with Ocon him saying like I don't want to just let Alonso pass let me try and overtake Vettel first and then I'll do it and that's exactly what happened in the end and uh, yeah to then pick off Perez to uh, challenge the Ferraris as well um, uh, the Ferrari of Charles Leclerc it was uh, yeah a, r- a really good drive from Alonso so I think he's uh, yeah probably a lot happier today than he would have been uh, yesterday obviously I think it's uh, been a, a good a good response from him and Alpine I think that you look at where things were against McLaren what three four five hours ago before this mm. race started it was it was like it looked like they could throw away p4 basically over their drivers yeah getting too close in a sprint race now though McLaren's double dnf really good drive from Alonso Ocon up in the points as well it's looking not wouldn't say comfortable but I think I think the gap's sort of 14 points or so let me check my numbers it is it is 19 points so that's looking pretty good for Alpine and I think that, yeah, they've they've done well to fight back as they did. And uh, Alonso, a little bit of fortune, obviously, with that safety car coming when it did, but a really, really good drive from him again as well. And uh, I think Aston Martin, yeah, they're onto a winner with him for next year. Uh, but is he onto a winner with them uh, to begin with uh, is an interesting question. No doubt they have big ambitions. Coming home 10th and 11th um, today, Stroll in 10th and Vettel in 11th. Had, had some fantastic moves and was racing really well all weekend uh, this weekend with a level head at times uh, over the weekend as well. Luke, just quickly, I don't know if you do know, but what's the deal with... Things like the driver swaps come Abu Dhabi testing afterwards. You're going to stay around in Abu Dhabi, aren't you, to watch watch the postseason test? And and what's the deal with drivers like Alonso being released? Is he and will he? Will we see him in different coloured uh, overalls? 
Uh, we will. Probably not green overalls. Okay. I reckon he's probably going to be wearing sort of Stig style all white overalls because, uh, yeah, he won't officially be an Aston Martin driver until January 1st, I believe. But, yeah, there's agreements in place. So Alonso will be testing the Aston Martin in Abu Dhabi uh, at the end of the season. Pierre Gasly will be driving the Alpine ahead of his move there next year. Nick De Vries, he'll be in the uh, Alpha Tauri car as well. And it'll be a good chance for basically all of the teams, if they can, get in an incoming driver early then they will do that Oscar Piastri we know that's been agreed as well that was revealed by uh, Adam Cooper for Autosport earlier this week so it's uh, I think everyone's happy on that front and it's kind of on these things where it's like you know that there's not a huge amount in terms of what they can gain because obviously testing is precious in F1 but it's still this year's car and it is more about okay how do you learn about getting used to the team and trying out the car and saying well I don't like the button on the steering wheel here or I want my seat in a slightly different um, sort of like level or something I don't know but it's uh, yeah just a good chance for them to, to get a bit of time to um, yeah get get sort of get, get, get used to their new surroundings and stuff but yeah basically everyone who is moving teams for next year you'll see them with their new teams in the Abu Dhabi test uh, we're still waiting obviously to find out who's going to get that second half seat we should find out by the time that we get to Abu Dhabi next week I think and uh, yeah they said they want that sewn up before the race uh, in Abu Dhabi so they can get whoever is in the car if it's Mick Schumacher or Nico Hulkenberg uh, in the car for the test uh, so Ocon was eighth, Bottas was ninth. I mentioned Stroll and Vettel, 10-11. Joe in twelfth, uh, followed by home by Mick Schumacher, uh, the fast starting Mick Schumacher this weekend. Uh, Pierre Gasly staying out of trouble, just about actually. Well, no, not staying out of trouble, but importantly, no penalty points. So we'll we'll see him uh, racing again. Alex Albon fifteenth, Latifi sixteenth, Yuki Sonoda classified seventeenth. Some weirdness around the sporting regulation lapped cars may now overtake Yuki but you're not allowed to pass uh, under the safety car but actually they got it right I don't think I I've read it several times now our friend and colleague Chris Medland has put a full explanation online for why he shouldn't have been allowed because he re-passed in the pit lane he passed the safety car the computers were right he wasn't allowed to Repass, but anyway, I'm still slightly confused. Formula One doing what it does best, which would be really confusing at times. Alex, your thoughts on any other outstanding drives or drivers of mention uh, before we finish up the podcast today? Uh, just quickly on that Sonoda thing, um, yeah, very, very bizarre incident in just that because the cars are actually allowed to go at full speed uh, to the pit in the pit lane entry and the exit, he was ahead at the timing line, so that's where all this confusion has come through sort of thing that the FIA probably needs to develop a system to, to make sure it can't happen again. But actually, according to Mattia Bonosso, it played a part in why they didn't ask Carlos Sainz, or as you say, he said he was up for doing it, why they didn't swap the positions around. Because actually Ferrari thought they were under investigation for a sort of safety car infringement regarding Sonoda. And that sort of was all factored in and they were just like, ah, it's just too risky, let's not do it. But yeah, very, very bizarre. Also not great look from the, from the FIA to, to not let all the uh, lapped cars uh, uh pass once again after we yeah. saw in Abu Dhabi in 2021 but we go. um yeah I, I think I think I think just a, a word on Kevin Magnussen I think um uh, and also you know this 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 the whole sprint race uh, uh you know the third one of the season it was the best one by far um I know that because I didn't watch it live I was in a charming <laughs> pub in Hackney Wick and I got text messages from both Autosport chief editor Kevin Turner and Matt Q uh about the sprint race which tipped me off that it must have been a good one so much so that I uh, I watched it when I got home and was uh, was quite 
it's uh, I was quite vociferous in my uh, in my judgments <laughs> on the various incidents because of what I'd uh, what I'd got up to. No, I'm kidding. Um, actually, that did happen. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the best sprint so far. Again, it's still an open. Like, oh, is it really good for F1? I think various circumstances conspired here uh, to produce the, the the interesting things that happened. You can't necessarily say it was all because of the sprint race that the great things happened at this race but at the same time you can't also deny that it being a factor made those things happen uh but yeah just kevin magnuson getting pole position brilliant result for him brilliant result for Haas. a very likable team you know gunther steiner uh what a character for formula one what a story for kevin magnuson jumping in you know in in place of nikita mazapan doing excellently this season has gone has gone missing a few times i think it would be fair to say um, but he certainly um, certainly made his mark with that uh, that historic uh, pole position. So well done to him. And uh, yeah, just a real shame that uh, ultimately, even though the sprint race sort of went as you'd expect, he kept, you know fell back because the much faster cars came by him. Just just really unfortunate and 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 not at all his fault for being taken out of the main event. Yeah, Hayden, you are the editor of Autosport.com. Good reasons to stay tuned to the homepage over the next couple of days because stuff always comes out. People say things, decisions get made, like Alfa Romeo just been fined a thousand euros for having a team member very close to, I think it was the Haas pit. I did watch that replay. It was picked up on the F1 TV. I watch it on the app most of the time. And uh, I thought that's a weird position for a team member to be sent. Almost applauding. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was weird. I was like, what are you doing? Uh, I wish he was applauding. It was like that, a slow clap. Very strange. He was like a slow clap that he was doing as the house car came in. I'm like, what are you doing? Nowhere near your Alfa Romeo pit box. They've been fined a thousand euros for uh, a team member not being where they should be. Stay tuned. That's the right thing to say. Uh, uh, keep your eyeballs on autosport.com. Uh, What's coming up over the next couple of days that we should look out for? Driver ratings, of course, sometime tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Driver ratings. Picking apart how Russell uh, went on to, to that fantastic win and the first win of his Formula 1 career. Uh, and then picking apart the bones of, of the Grand Prix. And yes, I'm sure... Verstappen versus Hamilton, Verstappen versus the world will be will be talked about in in earnest and uh, yeah, explaining how how Yuki Tsunoda ended up in the middle of the pack, lapped but not lapped. It's very much a "what are you doing here?" expression as as I was thinking. But yes, it strange one. I don't think it puts anyone in in particularly uh, a glorious circumstances, but thankfully nothing too disastrous happened. Except poor old Yuki ended up finishing basically last. It was last, yeah, last of the yeah, yeah. classified finishers. Before we go, Luke, what's your thought on half points? Just, ge- just generally, just generally. In- half points. What's your thought? Just generally. Is there any context to this? Because all year you were the first to say, "I." Ah, oh, here we go. Believe oh, I know where this is going. Lewis Hamilton in a Mercedes can win a Formula One race this year uh long before it was fashionable to say such a thing and we've held you to it all year now last time out on the podcast you went like oh i think i don't think that's going to happen given the last two races well mercedes did and lewis came second but so. lewis didn't so i don't yeah, know I mean, that's not half yeah. that's sorry so much that's not half points that's a if, yeah, no, that's a zero that's what? zero yeah that's definitely <laughs> yeah. a half point situation I, I appreciate no. you fighting my corner martin no he didn't win he it's said lewis that. hamilton not george yeah. russell yeah in the mercedes sorry, george yeah i think we can yeah I'll, I'll i'll i think i will be taking the taking the l is how the kids are call you still got uh, don't be that. so down yeah, i don't know i think probably that probably won't go mercedes way but i could be wrong let's see um, Toto Wolf actually said after the race he was asked 
would you prioritise Lewis going into Abu Dhabi to try and keep his win stat going? And Toto <laughs> said, well, no, Lewis has already said he doesn't really care about it. But I do, Toto. So yes. come on, <laughs> come do it on, for the Toto. podcast. Do it for me. <laughs> we know he listens. Come on, Toto. Uh, make sure you do. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, make sure you stay tuned. We've got some good shows coming up over the next few days, including uh, we talk to McLaren and we get an inside look at... Uh, their control centre back at base in Woking and how they run races from thousands of miles away. Uh, all thanks to modern technology. That and lots of other things to uh, stay tuned for next week on the Autosport Podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Tim Hammerich. Looking for your next podcast? Check out the Fresh Cow Files from Zoetis, where we'll discuss hot industry topics, including antibiotic stewardship, employee training, transition cow periods, and more. The more you train employees, the better they're at making decisions for the well-being of animals. So if you're ready for some eye-opening insights, I sincerely hope you'll join us on the Fresh Cow Files, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.